0: Uh, welcome to Mortgage One Hundred and One, your guide to home ownership, with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino. This is Financial Literacy Month, so if you're sick of us, too bad, right, Clinton? I mean, we're not done yet. We ain't done yet. You remember the Gong Show? You don't. You're too young for that. Don't no, you? I don't. Yeah, I was born in the '80s. Anyway, the know. Gong Show is an old-style school, uh, old-school show in which they used to have to drag you off the stage. That's going to be us, the Gong Show. What do you think?
1: You know what? I've certainly seen some gong shows, not that one specifically.
0: No. <laughs> Let's hope that this doesn't turn into a gong show.
1: You know what? I mean, I think this is going to be the, our be- one of our best shows all year. And, you know, I think everyone who... I don't. I not think it's going to be one who, of our worst. I, you think so? I, I, I thank for everybody who tuned in all year and listened to us. Yeah. You know what? I think we talked, you know, about some music, about some housing you know, a lot of financial literacy things. We talked about credit and income and assets and, you know, really what's going on here in Halifax and a lot about the Bank of Canada. So, you know, it's exciting to, you know, kind of wrap up financial literacy. We're going to talk about a lot of great topics today and we have a bunch of guests, so I'm, I'm super pumped. We do have a bunch of guests, including
0: Chris Turcotte, who I just met. You met, you met him for the second time. He's it? been in your studio before. Whatever. That was so long ago in radio, you forget these things. Do you want to introduce Chris Turcotte or do you want me to?
1: Well, he's, you know, my friend and maybe your friend, too, because you're going to see him tomorrow night again. Um, Chris is the president of Centum Financial Group, um, which is a national brokerage, which we are a part of. And, you know, we're so excited to have Chris here um, on the show. And he's going to give us a little per- bit of perspective about, you know, what's happening in the West Coast, in Ontario, because, you know, we're talking about, you know, a, a housing crisis and we're talking about, you know, like really where are the price is going and how. Uh, Things have been really challenging here in Halifax, but I think sometimes it's good to get a little bit of perspective on what's going on across the country, because I think we're in our we think we're in our own little bubble here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's do that without further ado. Did, was that your introduction, by that, the way? That or? was my intro. That, <laughs> okay.
2: that's what I'm starting to wonder here. Was that my introduction? That yeah. was your intro, gentlemen. So. It's fine. And Todd, I'm hurt. We have met several times. Not we, several. You know how I remember? Because I remember I'm like, damn, that guy has a face for radio. Oh, <laughs> that's so mean. That was mean. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah,
0: no. You know what? Where we met was over at uh, the uh, studio at News ninety five seven. We were at the radio station. That's reason, right. right. That, that was three years ago. Now I would, would say, say three or four years, and now obviously
1: it's City News halifax yeah. oh did
0: seven. not know that i said news 95 7. that's what it was at the time thanks for correcting me anyway this is why i'm here city <laughs> <laughs> let's <laughs> let's talk some finance city news 95 7. all right so to that uh, to, the, to the 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 climate on the west coast uh some are, are comparing the east coast here in halifax and what's going on is the potentially future west coast vancouver do you see that happening or no well, that snow that greeted me this morning, that's going to be a quick
2: no. But um, the fact that we don't get that. But uh, yeah, you know, values, watching what's been happening here in Halifax and obviously very close relationship with Clinton and seeing that volume come in. I think there's, th- it's certainly not the same values we're seeing in Vancouver, but there's no question that the rate at which the market is escalating. Is starting to look very, very similar. Mm-hmm. What what I'm most interested in in the comparables and you know Clinton, I'm going to lean on you to elaborate here, is the the money coming in from overseas. I'm not sure if that's as prominent here in Halifax versus a Vancouver where we have you know there's a predominant injection of of, of money coming in from China, right? So that is doing a few different things, but the, the the main thing it's doing is it's really driving up values where you can't get a two bedroom two, uh, two bath apartment anywhere near a million dollars
0: are there rules in place that are restricting that at all like any taxation rules any any levy any type of fees that are in place
2: well they've certainly tried right there's been foreign buyers taxes right. um yeah. you know that china has made it more difficult to get money out um but if there's one thing we've learned over the years look at hong kong in the 80s and things like that there's always a way there's always a loophole and the rules are only good for so long until it Yeah, and know, if
0: somebody's rich they're going to pay it
2: and that is the other thing as well, right? Like right. most of the stuff being bought overseas, you know, they haven't even seen these places, right? It's, it's more important to park money on Canadian soil mm-hmm. than it is to be picky about what you're buying, right? I'm curious to see. I don't know if that would translate here to Yeah, new it's Coast. not
1: happening as much here in Halifax. I mean, it certainly does happen, Chris. Like we definitely deal with some new to Canada. But I think that primarily the new to Canada that we're dealing with every day are buying these homes as owner-occupied. I'll be 100% honest with you. Mm-hmm. You know, we've certainly had a lot of growth in our population here in Halifax. And some of that has come from new to Canada, but I would say a lot of the growth that we've had is from people moving from Toronto, moving from Calgary, moving from Vancouver. And in some cases, they're selling, you know, maybe a one-bedroom condo or maybe a two-bedroom condo. And they're coming here and they're able to buy a single detached, like a brand new construction home. So we're seeing some of that for sure. Um, And some people are coming here to buy their first home, I think, because obviously our average house price is you know, under $500,000, it is a lot more achievable, I think, here than maybe some of the other areas of
2: the country. Yeah, see back home in Vancouver, you, you can't buy dirt for 500000 Like right. not even yeah. a one-bedroom condo, not, I not even Not a lot. Not even, a, like, you know, just for fun for any of the listeners, you know, go in Vancouver proper, hit mm-hmm. MLS, and you'll see houses along Granville Avenue that will say to be, turn, to be torn down, and you can't find one for under $5 million. Wow. wow.
0: So how, do, how are, I, I, I have often asked the question, how are people who outside of rich pe- foreigners or rich people in general affording the regular working person? Even if you had two doctors making three hundred thousand dollars a year, or maybe not doctors, each, maybe whatever. Yeah. yeah. How are people still affording these types of mortgages? I don't
2: get it. Well, it, it, and that's a great question, Todd, and I think the answer to that is that is the reason we have an empty home tax, mm-hmm. right? So. Doctors locally in Vancouver are not you know or doctors might be the only exception of why it's happening, right? But you're right the everyday person to found fa- to to uh, you know a husband and a wife making $90,000 each you're not buying a home in Vancouver, right? No. You're not but what you're doing is you're doing what uh, you know myself and a lot of our friends do is you know, you're commuting 45 minutes into downtown Vancouver, right? Where we're he- you know, we're relying heavily on transit and you know Clinton's been there a bunch of times the mm. sky train and everything else so it's It's definitely a little bit different
1: and like don't get me wrong you know people drive 45 minutes in Halifax but that's not the norm here you know the norm is people live within you know 10 15 20 minutes of downtown and you know we even have a cultural divide with the bridge you know if you live in Dartmouth you don't want to come to Halifax and if you live in Halifax you really don't want to go to Dartmouth which I know that kind of sounds strange and I'm sure like Chris you've been on both sides of the bridges you get it but people don't want to spend that extra time with like crossing the bridge and it's almost like that mental block where, you know, culturally
2: it's very acceptable to commute 45 minutes or an hour or an hour and a half in Vancouver. One thing I will say about value, just thinking out loud here, one thing for, you know, anyone in Nova Scotia, you know, obviously it's all Nova Scotia listening, but the one, the one, the one common or massive difference is unfortunately the Vancouver market is really reliant Especially the high-valued real estate is really reliant on what somebody else outside of Canada is potentially doing right with foreign funds and everything Mm -hmm. And that could cause a massive correction and we've actually seen that if you look back in the 80s Remember when Hong Kong pulled all their money out of Vancouver and Mm -hmm. what happened? It was the end of times So one thing I do appreciate about hearing this is those massive corrections that could really put somebody in Halifax in in a bad place uh, I think is a lot more unlikely, right? You're, I agree. I wouldn't yeah. well, well. I wouldn't say stable because look at what the market's been yeah, doing. Yeah, and the last well, two I mean
1: years. we've had du- double digit I- increases. Like we 100%. know that's pr- probably not going to keep up. Like let's yeah. be honest, but it, you know it's a symptom of supply and demand, and I think it's probably that was really what drove up the prices in Vancouver and in BC too, right?
2: I think the thing, you, yeah. And the best part is you're not going to see, you know, what you said. It's a, there's going to be a correction. Not a crisis, mm-hmm. right? So in Hong Kong in the eighties, when they pulled their money out of Vancouver, it was a crisis. You had houses from two million go- that couldn't sell for seven hundred thousand. Right. People were upside down. So why is that not going to happen here? Then? Well, because you actually have people buying the homes and living in them, yeah. right? Uh-huh. You d- you're not at the mercy of foreign money pulling in and out of a marketplace and leaving leaving a pile of homes empty, right? That doctor, that you know, somebody coming from ob- overseas, to Clinton's point, they're coming here because they want to live here. You know, would, would it's a quality of life, really, which they're bringing they're bringing their money here. Mm-hmm. They're investing in the economy and everyone is kind of you know, having an opportunity with that. So I, I think what everyone has to be mindful of is to Clinton's point, there's double digit growth. Right. When that double digit growth stops, that is not a crash. That For is a correction
0: from a, a lender's uh, point of view. Is there some concern uh, about over- overvaluation?
2: I think there, you, I think when you're seeing rapid growth like this, you always are. And, uh, you know, time to get o- time to get on the mortgage broker soapbox for a second. But I think that's why it's really, really professional to have a really a g- it's really important to have a professional team around you. Right. Mm-hmm. You've got to have a realtor around you that understands what the market could do. And based on your situation, could you get out? Right. Because the, the biggest fear in this Todd is, you know, is somebody going in with the minimum down payment is somebody going into a home at five percent down where the market could correct by ten percent. And then mm-hmm. guess what? Even if they sell the house, they don't have enough. Yeah. And and people don't really think about that, but if you don't have enough to pay the bank back, you can't sell. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So it's uh, it's something that I don't know. I I don't see it in a Halifax situation. I, I think that we've got. Um, I think I, again, I think it's.
1: I think we have a good base here. Hundred percent. And you know, there's not enough supply, and the demand is still quite high. So, and and I think you've even said this before, Chris. Like our prices were kind of undervalued. Compare to the rest of the every concept.
2: time I used to come out, I was like, oh, uh, you couldn't
1: even believe it. Yeah. And, you know, now I think we've leveled up a lot. I don't think we're ever going to be Toronto or Vancouver. Don't want
2: to be. No, don't. but I was going to say you don't yeah. want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have the same amount of beauty. Like when we walked out the office and I'm looking. more, I'm we looking have at more beauty. Well, come on now. that snow isn't. Uh... <laughs> well,
1: I don't know. That That might be up to, up for debate a little bit. I don't know. Yeah.
2: I had to walk for something to eat in the sleet with a scarf wrapped around my bald head. And I can live in Vancouver for the next forty years, and I will never encounter that. So. We don't want you here. <laughs> <laughs> There's that East Coast hospitality. I know. I mean, <laughs> I know. So,
0: bottom line is is that we're uh, we're in good shape here, and uh, don't become Vancouver.
2: Yeah, d- don't become Vancouver. Luckily, I think the the economies at scale here at play. Uh, you know, you have real people that want to live here that are buying homes here. I think that's a fantastic thing. And the only other thing I would end with is you know make sure you've got. Make sure you've got a mortgage professional. You know, a good mortgage broker will play realtor for a second and say, Hey, have you considered the fact that there's a correction? You mm-hmm. don't need a mortgage li- you don't need a, a real estate license to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know,
0: surround yourself with a team of professionals. Chris, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it very much. Thanks for having me. Uh, Chris Turcott. What's your title again, Chris? <laughs>
2: I'm president of Centum Financial Group.
0: <laughs> exactly. We'll be right back on City <laughs> News 95.7. <laughs> Welcome back to Mortgage 101, your guide to home ownership with clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, right here on City News 957. I got to right that time, clinton What do you think of that? I mean, you've been saying it now for a few weeks, so you should really have it down. Actually, I never say it. You Just never say the, it? The
1: liner say Just it. say, it. I don't need we'll be back. Exactly. Well, you know what? Since we're doing our podcast style, we're not live, but you're listening to us on Saturday and Sunday, so. Yeah. And it's the end of November. We've yeah. been talking about financial literacy and, you know, we're wrapping up our fin- month all, you know, talking about financial literacy. And hope, and we really thank everybody for tuning in and, you know, yeah. listening to our show today.
0: We have guests. We do have a guest. And you decided to bring in one of your employees. Is that a safe way of putting this? Well, one of my mortgage brokers for sure. So he worked. Can you fire him right now? I mean, I could. I would <laughs> never want to.
1: Why? Because he makes you too much money? Well, I mean, that's definitely a factor. But Alex is like my number one, like protege and I like helper. Protege? Yeah. I would say keep him entertained. I mean, somebody has to keep me entertained. Yeah. But you know what? Alex helps me with so much, you know, mortgage files. I wouldn't be able to do what I do every day without Alex to helping me with like what I'm doing.
0: No, I know. I'm only kidding mm-hmm. around. He's Team environment, you know. Definitely quality employee. I won't mention what you've said about him when he's not here. I okay. mean, you know. Yeah, we won't want to segue. do that. Exactly, segue. So why don't you just kind of be Todd Vino and take it over because, you know, why not you ask him some questions? What well, you,
1: you know what? I ask questions all, all day long, but I'll do like a little bit of an intro. Yeah, do an Alex. intro. Alex has been in. with I'll I'll us he be. here are like over five years. He's actually had his five year anniversary. And he moved here uh, originally from rural Ontario and you know, went to university in Toronto. And uh, his parents own a restaurant over in PEI and he'd never, ever been to Halifax what, before he, he moved telling here. It,
0: why isn't he telling us this stuff? He well, because I,
1: I, I think I just do a really yeah. good roundabout way to do the intro. Yeah. And he's a super, super expert in uh, mortgage lending, uh, around private lending and alternative lending. And I really want him to give you know us and the listeners a really good purview of what that looks like. All right, what
0: is
3: alternative lending? Alternative lending is essentially, you know, I'd say if you don't fit in the traditional box, that is alternative lending. Which is what? What's the alternative?
0: What's what, your traditional why do box? you have to go
3: to an alternative lender? Yeah. Per se? Well... Yeah. Not per three, se, why do you need to go? Well, main reasons are uh, credit, income, or if you're new to Canada and you're not established here yet. Yeah. So those are the the main three reasons. Okay. And then private lenders, you know, um, That's even a whole other category. And then that's like, you know, maybe if your house was half built and you ran out of money, um, they're the lender that's going to help with that.
0: It's got to be a stressful situation. eh?
3: Yeah, which actually happened to quite a quite a few people. Um, I mean, like just the cost of materials. uh, Yeah, right. Cost of materials. Right. So a lot of people were building pandemic happened. Cost of materials went through the roof. They ran out of money and they need a little extra to Mm -hmm. finish it off. So, yeah, that's you know, that's a tricky situation. That's definitely something that we help with.
0: How many ulterior uh, lenders are are out there?
3: In Nova Scotia right now, we have five. But in Canada, there's a lot more than that. And you have access to all of those? Yep, Mm -hmm. access to all of them, yep. Yep.
0: So what's, uh, what's a file? How does it look differently from a traditional file? What's it look like?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, for someone to go to an alternative lender, I mean, they're going to have a credit score of like less than 600. That's typically one of the things. I mean, sometimes they have great credit. Sometimes they do. So on the credit side, sometimes it's less than 600. Um, You know, sometimes bankruptcy consumer proposal Mm -hmm. plays a factor. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes clients have great credit, but the income on paper is really low. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, um, instead of maybe claiming a lot of income on the taxes, um, you know, we have to go through a stated income program. So I'd say one of the main differences is the cost. So, obviously, it's going to cost a little bit more, mm-hmm. and the down payment is more. So, uh, no more 5% downs with, a, with an alternative lender. That's a 20% minimum. And the interest rate is probably about 1% to 1.5% higher today. And uh, there's going to be a lender fee as well. That's about one5 to 2% of the mortgage amount.
0: So, uh, to me, that doesn't sound out of reach except for the, 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 the 20% down payment. That's got to be really difficult for somebody who's already got some challenges financially come up with it would surprise you That's though like thing. i see
1: some of these files like i'm on every file that alex works on i'm on every file that our, our team does and it, it's really amazing when you tell somebody they need 20 25 35 down magically a lot of the time they find it where do they get it
3: they get it, you know from family sometimes they have other assets they sell uh and you know quite often you see inheritances inheritances I can't say. Is right that a word you said Is that a word? Inheritances? Maybe it is. Inheritance. And inheritance. inheritance. Yes. And inheritance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of big gifts, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Families give big gifts, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So they have to prove obviously where the money came from, though. You can't just say, Hey, I found this money on the
3: street. Yeah, cash is not accepted. Yeah. Cash Cash is not, not king. That's cash right. is not
1: king. No. Because of uh what what's the issue? Anti money laundering.
0: Laundering. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You can hour. wash
1: your clothes, but you cannot wash your money. There you go. Because that would definitely be wrong. Yeah. Um, and Alex, why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the alternative lending that you sometimes get involved with for self-employed people? Because you know, there's more and more people that are becoming self-employed, and you know, one day they're working for one lender, and another day, or one lender, sorry, like one employer. Yeah. Uh, talk about lenders all day long. Uh, like one employer, and then the next day they completely do a pivot, different industry, brand new self-employed. You know, are there options for those type of people? Because there's more and more Canadians becoming self-employed every day.
3: For sure. Yeah. I think one of the biggest challenges as well is to go through a traditional lender, like a bank, they have to be self-employed for two years and not self-employed just for two years. You have to have two years of good tax returns Mm -hmm. because the lender always takes the net income of the two most recent years tax returns. And if the most recent year is lower, they're going to take that at face value. So you see a lot of people that were really impacted with COVID because their income went way down. Um, So... With an alternative lender, instead of looking at the tax returns, they actually use six months of bank statements instead. And we just essentially state their income on a piece of paper, how much money they make. So, Mm -hmm. and like that's that's what backed up
1: by bank statements?
3: Backed up by bank statements, yep. And they list their own expenses, and pretty much the bank statements tell the story instead of the tax returns.
0: What if somebody's going through divorce, separation? Sometimes they need an all uh, uh, somebody other than a traditional bank.
3: Yeah, so that's you know a great solution for an alternative lender for sure. And the thing is, the alternative lenders do it on one year terms. So the thing is, always well, you can go two or three year terms, but the rate's a little bit higher. Right. But what we do is we put them on a shorter term, and then we can review the file each year to try and get them back to a traditional lender.
0: You have to pay new fees though every if you renew it every year. No, just one time.
3: Just one time fee. Yep. So you renew after
0: that next year, you don't have a fee to pay. Correct. I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the number of uh, the percent of people fitting into this category, is it growing or decreasing?
3: That one's tough to say.
0: I would say there's more, there's more now than there
1: were before. Yeah. Um, you know, mortgage lending at one time, I think if you had a harpy you could pretty much get approved. I would say there's probably more alternative lending situations here now.
3: Mm-hmm. The rules are getting stricter,
1: but yeah. And, and I think that's a really good point. You know, when we talk about things like the stress test, and things that happen with B20 and B21 it took people out of the box that might have qualified with a more traditional lender and and we have these conversations with borrowers every day either some and especially with self-employed people either need to borrow you know claim more money in your income tax or you're going to pay maybe a higher rate on your mortgage and they can kind of make the decision on, on what works best for them and you know their accountant and stuff like that
0: all right so just before we wrap this up a, a cautionary tale although you can find people mortgages through this channel, which is great uh, try and do everything you can to have your, your finances in order so that you don't have to go this route. Obviously.
3: Exactly. It's only going to save you more money in the end. Yeah.
0: It's a good band aid, though,
3: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and it's good. And I, I always try to say, and I'm sure Alex, you say the same thing. This is usually a short term solution how can we get you cleaned up and how can you get into a better position that we can get you a better financing solution down the road.
0: Alex, did you have fun being on Mortgage 101? I did. It was great. Do you think you'll be
3: allowed back at some point? I think so. I think Uh, I behave myself.
0: Well, Clint and I will make that decision and we'll let you know down the road, okay? Okay, sounds great. Thanks for sharing your insights. (laughs) It's Financial Literacy Month. I know, I'm only teasing. Alex Lavender, what's his title Mortgage Broker. Yeah, Mortgage Broker. Thanks, Alex. No problem. We'll be right back. Clinton Wilkins, you may be the worst air drummer I have ever witnessed in my life. You know what? I way. think it's entertaining, though, isn't it? No, it's actually a little troubling.
1: Are you, are you, are you embarrassed for me?
0: Yes. But you you embarrassed on co- for me being around you. You keep on coming back, though. It's because you pay me.
1: I mean, we pay a lot of people. <laughs> and you know what? Other people
0: pay us, so that's how the world goes around. That's true. Welcome back to Your Guide to Homeownership Mortgage 101 with Clinton Wilkins and myself, Todd Vino, and another very, very special guest, Danielle McLean. The most special. The most special. She's a lawyer. She is a lawyer. Were you aware of that?
4: I am. I've been a lawyer for almost 20 years.
1: Wow, 20 20 years. years. I feel like we were so young.
4: Mm
0: -hmm. We used to be. Have you ever almost been disbarred?
4: No. 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 That would be a
0: very bad (laughs)
4: thing. No, you can Google me. I look really good online.
0: Oh, is that right? Perfect record. Oh, perfect record? Okay, well, that's good. Your law firm is where?
4: Uh, It is in Dartmouth. And it is what? DCL Law.
0: Ah, And your specialty is?
4: My specialty is real estate law. Of
0: course it is, because you're here sitting with us right now. That's right. Are you having a good time so far?
4: I'm having a fantastic time. I always have a good time at Clinton.
0: I mean, who doesn't? That's true. (laughs) That's true. So we want to uh, pick your brain when it comes to uh, the law and some of the... Let's First of all, let's let's talk about t- s- some things that you would just like people to know flat out who are buying homes, they're in the process, and they don't know what the, the closing and that side of it. What are some things that you would go, law 101, home buying, these are some things I want you to know, bullet pointed. Uh,
4: the first thing would be to just don't jump into something. You want to have your ducks in a row before you start. So we get a lot of people that are trying to do private transactions that come in. They're mm-hmm. not pre-approved. They have no idea uh, what the market actually is looking like. And it just causes a whole lot of trouble. So step one would be talk to a professional, get pre-approved. Ideally, go with a realtor as mm-hmm. well. Cause these private deals are just, a mess. They're a mess. They're, they're difficult to borrow on. Usually somebody's losing. It's usually either the buyer or the seller. But mm-hmm. generally, everybody somebody's not getting a good deal in there. So that will be your first thing. Second thing would be to just slow it down even when you go to make that offer. So people are going in at 100 miles an hour, really tight conditions. There's no time for lawyers to look at things. They're not doing inspections. Uh, They're not giving themselves enough time to get financing. And again, they're finding themselves in really difficult uh, positions. And the third thing would be just to listen to your lawyer and listen listen to your mortgage broker uh-huh. uh, and uh, take the advice of the people that you're paying.
0: Well isn't the, but one of the challenges as you're mentioning all of these things is this market that we're in when inventory is very small. People are in some cases desperate to get an accepted offer. So this is the result is it not?
4: Well yeah, it's a very competitive market. In this in this last year and a half, I've never had so many deals in the whole time I've been practicing where there have not been any conditions at all. So uh, there's like people- Like no lawyer review, no no. No lawyer review, wow. uh, so no opportunity for me to look at the property title or the agreement and say that it's okay. Uh, no time to get financing, even though they need financing. Mm-hmm. So people are coming in, there's no financing condition. So I'm saying, oh great, there's no mortgage cash deal. Oh no, no, there's a mortgage. Uh, No inspection, which then we get the call a month later because something's gone sideways. And a lot of that is because we have a lot of people coming from um, Ontario and past Ontario, and those markets have been like that for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I think there's those kinds of deals coming here, and now Nova Scotians are starting to compete in that same way. All of this is fine if you're comfortable with it, but at some point I can't get you out of it. Mm -hmm. So you may find yourself in a deal that you can't complete.
0: You said no inspection. Is there any recourse? If you waive that inspection, is there any recourse? If, in fact, you find out that you've got a termite-infested, leaky roof, uh, sewer-backed-up uh, house?
4: It would always depend on an individual situation, so I, I would start by saying that. So, uh, But generally, uh, if you don't have an inspection... And somebody's not giving you a disclosure, which is another thing that everybody's waiving. So uh-huh. typically somebody would complete a disclosure document that says, I don't have termites and I don't have an oil spill and Sometimes those
0: things aren't aren't filled out properly the are they?
4: they're not. They're not. But there's something. But if you if you're closing a transaction with none of that, it's very much buyer beware. And buyer beware as is, is where is, real. As right? is, yeah. where is buyer beware. So you, you've taken it and you wear it unless you can somehow show actual fraud. And I don't know how you would if you didn't have any of that documentation.
0: All right so how much of this is happening sounds like it's happening a lot based on what you're bringing this stuff up
4: It's happening a lot uh, it's happening a lot it's slowing down a little bit the last few months Uh, But I suspect it's gonna I I suspect it's gonna go again Mm. in the spring. Just it's just there's nothing for anybody to buy right now.
1: And I think sometimes people are getting desperate. I don't know what you're seeing, Danielle, but like we have people that we have pre-approved that have made like 20 offers on properties. And, you know, once you're at that 21st offer it, you know, uh, unless you're completely exhausted and going to kind of exit that process, you're kind of going all in.
4: People are buying things that they don't even like, mm. because they need somewhere to go. Either they're, uh, we've got a lot of people that are getting displaced because their, uh, their rentals are being sold. Or they've already sold their uh, they've existing already home. sold their existing home uh, and they just have they have nowhere to go. So I've had clients in kind of question me and saying, Am I buying is this the three-bedroom that we bought or the four be- the four-bedroom that we They're bought? Like, Which one is this? Just or, <laughs> or saying, I you know, absolutely I hate this house, but I think it'll be a good investment and we had to go somewhere. Or I'm saying this house has terrible XYZ. D- are you sure that this is what you want to do? And they go, oh yeah, we have to buy. It. We have to buy something. So uh, there is uh, there is a lot more of that than I've ever is seen there before.
0: Some, is uh, buyers remorse? I've heard that before with vehicles and other things. Is is there an opportunity for somebody to back out?
4: Not without a penalty. So uh, a typical contract would have time for uh, for financing, mm-hmm. if you need it, for lawyer review, for inspection, all these good things. Once those timelines are up or if those timelines never existed, you yeah. have a firm contract. So you have a legally binding contract. You have to fulfill it. And if you don't, then there's legal consequences for
0: Lose that. Use your deposit.
4: Not just your deposit. Uh, you're actually on the hook uh, for any of their carriage costs until they resell the property. And if they sell it at a loss, then you actually have to make up that loss as well.
0: Wow. How so much can it, how much it can be significant. Yeah, it How much does that
4: happen? Well, it, it's, it, it does happen. You know, if I do a 1,000 deals, I might have 10 that will fall apart uh, sometimes at the 11th hour and sometimes, you know, fairly quickly, but after the the deal is firm, Mm -hmm. it's really hard to quantify those losses for a client because, you know, you don't know what your sellers do and your seller might be also buying with that money. So it can really kind of go down the line fairly, fairly. The dominoes keep on falling. I've seen
1: it. I've seen it. Like Danielle, we've had deals together that everything was fine with our buyer. But the vendor couldn't get their act together, and then the dominoes keep on falling. Yeah, right. Because one may impact the next one, may impact the next one, and we don't really know, you know, what the full scope it may ever be.
4: If you're lucky, you can buy your way out of it. If you're unlucky, you're not going to know for a few years few years loss is going to be. Out of it. Yeah, but yeah. it's not typically just your deposit; it's right. typically a whole lot right. more.
0: So, but for the most part, deals go pretty smoothly. Closing costs are there. Uh, realtors. Mortgage advisors give the people the right advice. I would say, for the most part, things go pretty smooth, right? That's your run-of-the-mill deal. Yeah,
4: for for the most part, things things go pretty smooth. Uh, th- these la- the the last year and a half, things have been very very busy. So you know, people kind of are their own worst enemy on this. What they're doing, really tight close conditions, or they're closing. I say all the time, there's there's more than two days in a month, you know, everyone's trying to close on the 1st and the 15th, mm-hmm. and you would see that too, Clinton. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, sometimes. We can only do so much, really. At some point, you, you can't, everybody can't close on the same day because the banks are slow, and, you know, you're, anyone you're boring for, I'm slow, the brokers are slow, everybody's slow because we've got 40 other people trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, everything's going to go smoothly as long as you get everything in to your broker or your mortgage specialist or your lawyer.
0: Well, well in advance. How well 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 about getting those deals funded at the last minute? Sometimes lenders uh, just don't fund the deal on the closing date. Does that happen?
1: I would say that's rare. It's rare. If,
4: I-
0: it if the files complete it funds. Yeah.
4: I think
1: the only time it doesn't fund, and I mean, Danielle, you can speak to this, is when maybe there's some conditions that are outstanding.
4: And a lot of times that's, uh, it goes back to the client not getting the information in to uh, their mortgage specialist, their broker, or to their lawyer. So we're waiting on things so uh, the lender can't move as fast. You know, some lenders are slower than— Some take 10 days. Some lenders are slower than others, right. and you recognize that. And if, if you've got experienced professionals that know these lenders, they know their quirks. So I know if I have a certain lender, everything has to be in five days in advance. And if it's not, I'm going to have trouble. But I know who to call if I have trouble. So yeah. it's really it's just kind of... Know, it's knowing the lender.
1: Now, I have a question. And I'm going to just jump in here. And I sure, want to ask, please, it, sure. I, I think our listeners may be intrigued. Uh, we've heard of stories in Ontario, and I think maybe also here in Nova Scotia, where developers will have an agreement with a buyer, but then suddenly, magically before closing, even though there weren't any maybe adjustments, they want more money because of <laughs> what's happening with the supply chain, but also with the market. Have you seen some new construction kind of go sideways? And, you know, has there been any remedies or like what what advice do you have out there?
4: So new construction, that, that was happening uh, up to even kind of before the summer, but it's kind of died down now. So I would say... About a year ago, we started getting we started getting these emails from uh, from the builders saying, "Well, our costs are way up, so now it's going to cost eighty thousand dollars more, mm-hmm. and also it's not closing in July. Now it's going to close next July. Um, sorry, take it or leave it. You can have your deposit back." Uh, and of course, clients come and they say, "Well, this isn't fair." And I say, "Absolutely, it's it's not fair." And you know, they have a firm contract. The problem is is there's, there's generally no specific performance in real estate, so that means mm-hmm. you can't force someone to sell you that exact house. You can take them to court and you can say, okay, well, you should have done this contract and maybe you can get money and maybe you can't. That costs a whole lot of money. And at the end of the day, in the meantime, the house is probably worth $200,000 more and they were only asking for $80,000 more. So it was a really difficult conversation to have with clients and it was very much, you know, you're probably, do you want it or not want it, Do you really? want it or not? Where else are you going to go? You're, if you try to find the same house somewhere else, it's going to cost you $200,000 mm-hmm. more. And in a lot of those instances, we just kind of went back and negotiated with the builder and said, just show me where this breakdown is. And then magically, a lot of those costs went down a little bit. The bigger problem we've been having with builders is closing delays, and th- that's right. really none of this is on the builder. And a lot of these instances, builder YK. legit, they were going to lose money if they went and you know we have builder call and say, "I'm going to go bankrupt if I do these these if ten I've properties at the at this price." Uh, and the closing delays is they can't get the supplies. And, you know we've also had a lot with new home construction with builders switching things out. So you'll have a client call and say, "I went to see my house has a whole new picture window, I didn't order it," and the builder says, "Well, the other ones going to take a year to come." Yeah. And I have the right to change that or, again, take it take it or leave it. And We've had a lot of take it or leave it kind of discussions. Uh, well, I discussions. think when the market's
1: so hot, they can resell a lot of these homes again. And I think that's the challenge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head here a little bit, Danielle. I think some of these builders are having a very hard time financially because just think, they made some of these contracts a year and two years ago yeah. and they weren't estimating for, you know, the lack of supply or the, you know, the increase in the costs. Mm-hmm. Somebody needs to eat it, and I think in a lot of cases the builder does eat it, but they can only eat so much.
4: True. And, you know, some of it some of it could be that they were trying to take advantage of a situation. Some not of it's too. probably both. Um, but there was somebody that was litigating. It was not anything out of my office. It's, it still hasn't gone anywhere as far as I'm aware. Uh, most people just kind of paid paid the difference if they go or took the deposit and and, 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 and I, I think yeah
1: and maybe some cases it w- would be more costly to litigate than maybe the difference
4: would well, be this is the, to this pay. is this is the problem and the, and the delays with it and new home construction is really difficult right now.
1: Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's I good for a lot of people but maybe not
0: everybody. How do people get a hold of you?
4: Uh you can find me online at dcllaw.org or you can call me at 902-404-3150.
0: Did you have a good time with us today?
4: Always have a good time with you
0: guys. Always,
1: we can't wait to have you back. We're gonna have you back. Same time, same place, like twenty twenty two. Exactly. All right. Well, get it (laughs) on the calendar now.
0: See you in a a year. It's Daniel McLean, and it is DCL Law. We'll be right back. See, what you cannot see, folks, are tears on radio. I mean, we were going to we sing this ourselves. But you can sense the tears on I the know. radio. You can feel it over the airwaves. What do you think? This one is the tenors. We, You know, we played the song.
1: Yes. This is literally our last segment of Mortgage 101 for
0: 2021. I know. It's kind of weird. Well, How many
1: hours of radio have we done this year?
0: A lot. A lot the question is will we be back you know
1: I think we'll be back and maybe we'll have a whole new audience of listeners in 2022 maybe you'll have a whole new host I doubt it
0: that would that would just be wrong we built our brand that's true welcome back to mortgage 101 your guide to homeownership with Clinton Wilkins and myself Todd Vino right here on City News 957. You like saying city news? I like there. saying
1: city news. You know, it's it, it's a new brand. And, you know, I think it's hard for us sometimes to remember. For me, it's I was on the the old green brand for so long that yeah, it's hard to just keep it top of mind. Um, I, I think it's probably been a good transition for the listeners. You know, there's one website, you know, like one email, everything goes to the same place. Like, I can understand why it makes sense. So, you know, I think it was a good transition. What's been your favorite aspect of doing this? I think it's really around education, and you know, I'll bring it back to November. We've done four shows: two live and two of this podcast style, which you guys are listening to now. And it really was around education. You know, this month we had a lot of great guests. You know, we had guests talking about you know alternative lending. We had a lawyer here today, and uh, you know, president of uh, Centum Financial Group. We've also brought in realtors, and you know, had a lot of perspective around you know what what does credit mean? You know, income mortgages for self-employed we've talked about assets and you know building net
0: worth and it's really all been around education
1: and i think that's so powerful
0: so in the last few minutes that we do have drill home some of the things that you want people to be thinking about here
1: well i think that when we you know end november and we're finishing financial literacy month you know, I think we need to think about ways how we can keep, you know, financial literacy going through December. December can be really a very tough time for a lot of people, Todd. And I'm cognizant of that. You know, there's the holidays, and I think a lot of us tend to kind of overspend, even, you know, when we don't need to. I think the holidays, sometimes it's about, you know, experiences, and it's about being around friends and family and all these things, and it's not necessarily about these material, material things, and and i and i and i think the last couple of years has really kind of brought that home at least to me Mm -hmm. you know it's been a challenging time we've been away from friends and family kind of for so long you know with covid and you know for uh, for us it's really about how can we maybe spend that time versus maybe going out and you know buying these material things and i think for a lot of our listeners maybe 2022 you know they may be able to you know fulfill those dreams of home ownership and you know i hope that you know we'll ha- certainly have more conversations around what that looks like going into next year, and you know I, I and, and early next year we're going to talk uh, about Mary Detmis, and I know that's something that we're kind of excited about, and I won't I'll not dive too deep into it, but you know Mary Detmas is obviously something that we're super passionate about, and you know going into the new year sometimes people just want to like lose weight, Todd, or you know be more healthy, or you know pick up a new goal. But, you know, I think the goal going into 2022 and I think even going into this year in 2021 was around financial health and and wellness. And I hope that we added to that. You know, the Mm. other thing that I really hope that we did, Todd, honestly, this month, I hope, you know, some of the listeners that our parents had conversations around financial health and wellness and financial literacy at the dinner table. You know, these are not things that we talked about as kids. Like you and I have said this, like our parents never talked about credit. We didn't talk about income. We didn't talk about assets. We didn't talk about you know home ownership. And I think a lot of young people today, home ownership is not even on their purview. Mm-hmm. It's not even something that they're even you know interested
0: in. Well, even beyond that, I don't mean to d- interrupt you, but you mentioned that, but people's needs and wants and, and whatever the difference is and there's a difference we're quite different than I we grew up. I shared a bedroom with my brother. Mm-hmm. We had a, five or six of us in a, in a in a bungalow, a three bedroom bungalow, and and I think that that's been altered quite a bit as as to what's acceptable today and what people will spend money on and prioritize what are your thoughts yeah i think the priorities are certainly different
1: i think first time home buyers at one time were first time home buyers and they would buy that entry level home you know it's the bungalow maybe it's a semi detached you know it's a really what we would consider a starter home i think first time home buyers today have uh different expectations than the first time home buyers did even when i started doing this 15 years ago and, you know, for better or worse and, you know, people's obviously their needs and maybe their tastes and these things have changed. Um, but, you know, we've we talked about like multi-generational housing. That's not a thing. I don't know any young people today that really are like, yes, my dream in life is to buy a home so I can move my parents into the basement.
0: Yeah, but maybe it should be in some cases. And maybe it should be. And maybe it
1: needs yeah. to be taught. Maybe it needs to be. Maybe yeah. it needs to be for people to become homeowners in the future. You know we need more income and as the housing prices increase obviously probably incomes are going to increase but are they going to increase at the same level we oftentimes need you know are needing two incomes in a household to make it work Mm -hmm. and that's reality and that's where I think we're gonna see maybe the the culture change over the next few years and I think that we need to open our minds to that but also have those conversations and you know bring it back to you know younger people today and maybe not having that dream to be a homeowner, they're missing out on a huge opportunity to build wealth for themselves. You think
0: that's gonna raid itself?
1: I don't know. I honestly yeah. don't know. I hope um, so. I think you know the needs and wants of people have changed. We w- we're more of an instant gratification culture probably now than we have been before. And home ownership isn't an
0: instant gratification. Yeah, isn't it sometimes it takes that a that long that's, time. Exactly. That that's, uh, and it takes a lot culture, of planning.
1: Yeah, especially now. Yeah, even more. It takes yeah. even more planning now. That's
0: why people go and buy a new car instead. But they you know what? You
1: can't even buy a new car today, Todd. I just read an article online exactly. the other day. Yeah. You need to order a car, in some cases, a month, six months, and sometimes a year in advance. Yeah. So th- I think the, this instant gratification is changing. And... I think the culture's changed. and I think we're kind of changed forever mm. after, you know, COVID. We've changed the way that we've transacted. I've changed the way that I've done business. We've adapted new technology. We've done a lot of things, uh, you know, electronically. We've changed the communication that we're having with our customers. And, you know, for me, it's pretty empowering. You know, I would, I've been doing the same thing for 15 years. It's nice to learn a new skill, but it's also nice to figure out what the needs are for the customer. And I think that we've learned even more over the last, I'm gonna say almost two years. Mm -hmm. We've learned even more that value is more important than maybe the money. And what value can we add to the conversation? And what value can we add to financial literacy? And what value can we add to home ownership?
0: So besides obviously getting information out there and getting your brand out there and doing all of this, you feel as though the last number of months doing this. Perhaps there are people out there better positioned, you can say that I can say that confidently, I would to purchase a home than otherwise would have been. And that's a good thing. Obviously,
1: that is a great thing. And you know what, if people transact with us or transact with their bank or transact with another mortgage broker, as long as they got some advice, I am happy and I think that we've done our job. And you know, we've broken down some of these barriers and we've had, you know, some tough conversations. It's not nice necessarily to talk about some of these things. It doesn't necessarily feel good. You know, people that go through hardships or, um, you know, might have been going through a divorce and all these things. But, you know, these are conversations that we need to have.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And in the end, if you're doing a deal, get your ducks in a row. do not be in too big of a rush. Don't, deal with don't it. Don't right? be in like a our rush. Lawyer said earlier. You know,
1: take a deep breath, Yeah. get some unbiased advice. And, you know, obviously we believe in using mortgage brokers. I'm a mortgage broker. I think that obviously unbiased mortgage professionals provide the best advice. You know, mortgage brokers have access to 40 different lenders sometimes. And, you know, when you walk into maybe the financial institution that you do your everyday banking with, yes, they have one solution. And, you know, they have one solution to help you. And that person that you're dealing with, you know, is trying to manage 40 different products. And mortgage lending is very, very complex, and I think that's more of a reason than ever to you know, seek the advice of an unbiased mortgage
0: professional. Well, Clinton, um, on behalf of City News 95.7, you've been a great partner for a number of years now, and for myself, and it's been a real pleasure working with you, and it's my sincere hope and our radio stations hope that we continue this partnership for many
1: years to come. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited, and you know, we wish everyone a safe and healthy rest of 2021, and uh, we'll be back.
0: We will be back.